This is Crow's Feet, a place where we ponder the question, are these our golden years, or does aging just suck? Well, yes, getting older is not for the faint-hearted, but aging also brings wisdom and humor, a finely tuned perspective on life. In our podcast, you'll hear the voices of more than 300 writers who will inspire you and often make you laugh about this journey through life. everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Crow's Feet podcast. I'm Betsy Allen, and I'll be your host for today. As you just heard in our intro, with this podcast, we want to give our listeners an opportunity to hear from the many writers whose work we publish on the Crow's Feet page of the Medium writing platform. There, they share their thoughts, their wit, and wisdom about aging through the written word. But now, with each episode of the Crow's Feet podcast, you'll be able to listen as we introduce a writer with a story to share or an expert with enlightening information on how we can all better navigate our later years. Some of these people will make you laugh. Some might make you reconsider a preconceived notion, bring a nod of recognition, or even stir a memory of your own. But all of them have interesting and thought-provoking things to say about life as we age. Let's listen to a few of the voices you'll hear on the podcast. My days are filled with the pleasure of doing the activities I enjoy. I can hardly wait to see what other fun stuff I discover as I get older. I simply can't pretend to be happy about the all-too-frequent turning of the calendar page. My joints are getting creaky. Aches and pains. My hair and whiskers have turned gray. Brain fog, shrinkage. My appetite has changed. Feeling unattractive, undesirable. But my sense of humor and appreciation for life continue to improve. I feel like I'm walking into the best years of my life. I know I want to make a difference in the lives of others, my family. I adore being a grandmother, but I am unwilling for my life to be taken over by my role as grandparent. I want my grandchildren to see an older person living to the fullest, challenging them to do the same. Seven months ago, I woke up a better person. I didn't know at the time, though, because I was hungover. Not from the retirement party the night before. That was nothing. I was hungover from 45 years of stress. Most people are not even thinking of growing old. They're thinking, I must climb the ladder of success. Then it happens. We're older than we ever thought we would be. Some people are having trouble remembering their children's names. I'm not at that stage yet. But I am beginning to feel the weight of all the things I've learned, experienced, and read in my 72 years. Just when we've developed an ability not to be overly concerned of the judgment of others, another social stress monster rears its ugly mug. Invisibility. But please don't make assumptions about me based on the wrinkles on my face, color of my hair, or the cut of my clothes. Ageism, like racism, sexism, and all the other isms, emphasizes our differences instead of celebrating our similarities. I hate to admit it, but I am turning into my mother. When I was young, I thought she was so square. What's up with that? Crow's feet. Life as we age. You'll hear a lot more from our writers in the weeks to come. But today, we wanted to start with a very special guest, one who will help us set the stage for this new endeavor. She's the founder of Crow's Feet on the Medium platform, Nancy Peckenham. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Betsy. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Um, Before we get into what Crow's Feet is all about, I'd like you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where are you from originally? Well, I was born in Connecticut, and uh, I was a child of the 1950s. Basically lived, you know, quiet life. Did you come from a large family, small family? 
Well, I had uh, three siblings, so we so we were a party of four plus my parents. <laughs> so, what were you like as a young person? What were some of your interests? I was a bookworm. You know, I started with the Bobsy Twins and the Hardy Boys and Nancy right. Drew, and spent a lot of time at the library. Uh, but after school every day, you know, we would go out and play with the neighborhood kids, and felt like we were free. It was it was a good childhood. Were you a pretty good student? Most bookworms are pretty good students. Well, I was a good student. I actually was a little bit embarrassed of my vocabulary um, because some kids used to say, oh, you use such big words. I didn't know how else to <laughs> communicate. It was my vocabulary. and uh, <laughs> Just naturally eloquent. That's wonderful. Um, and, and where did you go to college? I went to Bennington College for two years. Okay. And then I transferred to NYU, New York University in Manhattan. I went from a school of 500 students to one of like 40,000 students. So, gosh, what was that like? Well, I loved being in the city. You know, I was 20. I had an apartment in Greenwich Village with my sister. We were just, you know, living the life. You know, I was really attracted to the music and the culture of the late 1960s and, you know, wanted my freedom. And what was your major? Anthropology. And I loved it. I actually decided that major when I was still in high school because I was so curious about the world and I wanted to know more about people. I'm seeing some interesting threads here. Uh, the love of reading, a love of culture, a love of, uh, of people. But after you did complete college, what did you do for work? Where did you go from there? Well, I began pursuing my dreams and that meant I didn't really work to earn a lot of money, but I, um, I went to Guatemala and I did some study on land reform. And at the same time, there was a civil war that was emerging there. This was the late 70s. So I began documenting human rights violations in the indigenous population and decided I really needed to be a journalist so that I could tell the world about everything that was going on. And so I kind of shifted my focus. I came back to New York and I took a couple of writing courses at Columbia University and another one at NYU and launched a freelance writing career. What else did you write about during that time? What did you uh, find most piqued your interest? Well, I actually branched out a little bit because many of my friends at New York University had gone to film school there. They have a very mm -hmm. well-established film school. So they said, we should make a film about Guatemala. So that's when I got into documentary filmmaking. And we made two films about Guatemala and made one about Peru. So I wasn't writing as much as producing. Um, I did co-edit another book on Honduras. Um, and then I went to work at WNET, which is the public TV station in New York. What were you doing for them? I was an editorial assistant at their monthly magazine called The Dial. I was young, you know. Later on, I know that you got into uh, some work at CNN. Yes, I did. I had moved to Georgia to take a job as the communications director for the Textile Workers Union. I loved traveling around the South and organizing unions, but it was exhausting. I left that job after five years, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. I had heard good things about CNN, so I taught myself how to write for broadcast news, took a test, and was hired as a writer in the newsroom. Shortly after that, I got a position as a writer at CNN World Report, which presents the news 
as reported by broadcasters around the world. How long were you there? I was there for 11 years. Mm -hmm. I, I became an executive producer and I ended up coming to New York and overseeing the daily production in the New York Bureau. But by then I had two small kids. I had a full-time nanny and I never saw my kids and I really wasn't happy. I wanted more control over my life. So I stepped back from CNN and taught for a while at the State University of New York until I started a local news website in the town I lived in so that yes. I could be with my family was a priority. You had a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit too, of kind of starting starting your own thing. Uh, very brave with two children who are small. Well, <laughs> you know, you just got to put it out there and see what happens. Once you had uh, done all these wonderful things and the kids were starting to get older, how did you think about transitioning from work to retirement? After the kids were getting older and they were, you know, maybe 12 to 14 and I had more time, I began to think about going back and getting a job in the traditional news business, mm -hmm. you know, working for a big media company. By then, uh, I was mid to late 50s. And it soon became clear that I was not a hot prospect in the job market. And in fact, you know, the whole experience got me down and got me, you know, feeling like my professional life was over. Mm -hmm. And what was I going to do with the rest of my life? It wasn't an easy transition. Uh, I think a lot of people experience similar um, discrimination in the workplace so my husband convinced me to sell our house and we bought a sprinter van and we went traveling around the country for four years. That kind That's of took my mind off my problems. Was this as exciting as it sounds? It was great. And surprisingly, it really brought my husband and I closer together because we had to share this small space. And you know, every day he was still working and he works online. So then in the afternoon, we could go out exploring and hiking. And, you know, I got stronger physically and in better shape and, you know, just saw so many incredible places, made three or four trips to Alaska. It, it, it was great. So after that adventure, what did you think you might do? Uh, you mentioned that it was somewhat harder to go and pursue a job at that stage in your life? I didn't actually stop. But what happened was we were in Alaska and my mother, who was 99 years old, fell and broke her pelvis. And there wasn't anyone else in the family able to take care of her. So my husband and I drove across Canada. I should say he did all the driving. God bless him. I know. In eight days, we made it back to northern Maine you know, then a whole new chapter of my life emerged, which eventually led me to crow's feet. So you served as kind of a caregiver for your mom? Well, really, a, you know, a, a companion. She lived in an assisted living facility, okay. a residence. And, you know, over the time, you know, I got to know everyone. My mother was extremely social. She loved, you know, people and having people around. She had complete short-term memory loss. You know, every day we would go down to dinner and she'd ask everyone at the table, have you met my daughter yet? We'd all smile and say yes. 
aside from that, she was totally together and had a real zest for life. And so did the other people in the residence. And they really inspired me. And I found Medium at that time. And I started writing. And I was really examining my relationship with my mother and then writing a lot about her and the people who live there and seeing them for the first time from a very different perspective, because I too, you know, have looked at people from an ageist perspective where, you know, they look like a lot of old ladies with white hair. Yes. But in fact, each one is, has a rich personality and individual interests. And so it was a real eye opener for me. I've had the occasion over over the years to spend time with older people. And it's amazing how your uh, perception of that changes over time as you you get older um, and you see all the the nuance and the the humor and the wisdom. Uh, I, I think you brought along a poem that you wrote uh, somewhere in that time. It's called Talk to Me When I'm Old. The background on it is exactly what I was just referring to, where People ignore older people, you know, that sense that you're invisible. And it it creates a dynamic that's very negative for the older person and ultimately for the person who holds the the view. But one day I was out for a walk and I just got frustrated because I had witnessed exactly that behavior very recently. So I wrote this poem. It's called Talk to Me When I'm Old. A Lifetime of Humanity to Share. Well, we'd love to hear it. Sure. It's talk to me like I'm not there and I will disappear. Talk about me in front of me, a piece of furniture, and I will withdraw resentful. The glazed look in my eyes will be a shield against your stupidity. I'm not deaf and I'm sure not dumb. I just can't remember what I ate for breakfast. Tell me a story and I will feel the same passions you do. My feelings have not evaporated with my short-term memory. I am living. I am alive. Talk to me. That really is beautiful. And I I think if you are an older person, if you've spent any time with with older people, you do become aware of that kind of uh, invisibility. And it's frustrating because, uh, you know, they are alive. They still have a lot of wisdom to share. And they're funny. Somebody who might have a body sense of humor or might um, really have a lot of uh, questions about life, don't want a lot of adventures. So I, I love how that poem kind of brings that out. And did that poem kind of serve as some inspiration for Crow's Feet? Well, it did. By then I had maybe half a dozen stories I'd written either about my mother or I also wrote some about caring for my mother because when you change from being the adult child the adult child to being the adult parent you know it's a very difficult adjustment because I had to make decisions for my mother I had to um to really be her advocate at all stages when if she was in the hospital or anything so I wrote some about you know how to care for someone who has dementia and also the role of music with dementia. And I thought, you know, I'm beginning to get enough to really do a publication about life as we age. 
So I came up with the title of Crow's Feet and, you know, Medium makes it very easy to start a publication. So I called it Crow's Feet and I don't even remember exactly how I contacted the first people, but I do know that Ann Litz and Julia Hubble were among the first people who got involved and sent me stories. And mostly I got stories that were about I'm old and I feel great, personal essays. And that kind of got the ball rolling in June of 2019. I wanted to ask you what your sense was of how Crow's Feet has evolved over time as you've had more and more writers become regular submitters. One of my rules or guiding principles was not to recruit specific ideas, but to just open up and let anyone talk about the aging experience. So early on, I had someone who wrote to me and said, in my 50s, I got my long haul truck driving license. And she wanted to write about that. I never would have thought to have a story about that. And, you know, the variety of things that people were were writing about from their own personal exploits Some people were reflecting on what I described earlier, that transition in your 50s of feeling like, you know, I have gray hair, I have wrinkles, and nobody's going to hire me, and how you discover yourself in the process, Um, the humor. Uh, Some people write about life and retirement, uh, because there's a lot of trepidation out there about what am I going to do when I retire after my career. Uh, People write about their grandchildren. They write about their memories of what made them who they are today. If you look at Crow's Feet, so much of it is memoir, memories, and it's almost like talking to new friends, having them all relate things that have happened in their lives that have been meaningful. It's just such a wealth of perspectives. How can you uh, quantify for us the writers? Uh, Where are they from? How many of them are there now? Well, there's about 325 writers, probably two-thirds female, one-third male, um, which I think is great. And I love having a lot of male writers and readers. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, the, the men tend to be more humor writers, uh, reflecting on just what it's like to you know wear sweatpants and slippers, and, <laughs> but with humor. And, you know, some people write about their medical issues. But to get back to your question, we have several writers in England. We have a lot of writers in Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, We have a couple of writers in South Africa, three or four from France. They're expats living in France, one in Italy. But the bulk, I would say, 75% are in the U.S. What kind of feedback have you received from readers? What do they tell you? Well, you know, one of the great things about Crow's Feet is the commenting that goes on on people's articles. So the readers um, find community by responding to writers that they follow. And, you know, they follow me and they give me feedback as well. And I have a couple of little quotes I could read to you of things that people have, readers have responded. Uh, I love this. Tomorrow, I'll be celebrating my dear aunt's 102nd birthday. She and I will have tea cake and great chats at her apartment where she lives on her own with mobility, a sharp mind, and humor intact. 
That was one. Let's see. Thank you for candidly sharing your experiences. I feel less alone and more encouraged to keep moving. I like this one from a woman in Massachusetts. Thank you, Crow's Feet, for being a great source of content that spans decades and perspectives. You're a gift to readers. It's great to get that kind of feedback, you know, from readers. And uh, I was wondering how many readers Crow's Feed has now. So we have subscribers who uh, are notified whenever an article is published. And, you know, we publish about 50 new articles a week. Uh, so it's quite a large readership. I believe it's just over 5,500, 5,500 readers who subscribe anyway. There's more who read. That's an amazing achievement in such a short period of time. So you can tell it's really, really resonating with with the readers. So as we kind of uh, uh, come to the end of our time talking, I, I want to know from you, like, what do you think makes Crow's Feet special? I love the honesty that people have when they talk about their own lives and how hard it can be to accept that you're not the younger version of yourself. And when they talk about the steps they've taken physically, mentally, and emotionally to discover that this stage of your life, you know, can really be your best stage. Studies have shown that older people are the happiest out of all of the different stages in life. And I think that people can see themselves in these stories. You know, a lot of times there's a sense of shame. There should be no shame that you're older. We all get older. It's a stage of life. So what Crow's Feet writers do is they make it okay to talk about, yes, I'm old and I feel great. And it's very inspiring and it inspires me and has inspired me. And of course, I'm very lucky because I get to read almost all of the articles. So I get a lot of inspiration. Crow's Feet is giving uh, just an incredible amount of inspiration to everybody. And um so many voices to be heard. One of the things that I think is really special about Crow's Feet is that many of the writers are using writing to understand what they're going through. You know, we all have more time now to write and to explore our feelings. And the writing process itself is a, is a way of uh, self-exploration. The variety of voices you hear on Crow's Feet is pretty amazing. The writers humanize aging, and they help others understand their own aging process. Writers offer advice like how to exercise better and how to eat right. But I think more importantly, they motivate us to try new things and to enjoy life, to savor the small moments that we may have overlooked on our rush to get ahead. So with the launch of the new podcast today, it, it kind of feels like Crow's Feet is sort of starting a new chapter, offering another way for our wonderful writers to share their thoughts and wisdom about life as we age. So as we wrap up, Nancy, what, what other avenues are you pursuing? What other ways do you envision bringing the message of Crow's Feet to, to readers and to listeners now? I think you can tell by the quality of the voices of the writers who are part of Crow's Feet that... There's tremendous energy and interest in talking about aging and being part of a global conversation that rewrites the narrative about what aging is. You know, we're all doing this as volunteers. This is not a for-profit enterprise whatsoever, but we're very motivated 
So I had the idea of trying to capture some of this energy above writing and put out a call to see if any of the very talented writers we have have additional interest in podcasting, which this is proof right here of the level of interest in getting the word out via podcast. Uh We also have a Facebook group uh, and an Instagram page. And we have some other plans up our sleeve. We do get together uh, once a quarter, four times a year, and just have an informal kind of salon of people who want to talk about these issues and, and thinking of new ways really to spread the word. So we have many plans Wow, there's certainly a lot going on with Prosfeet, and I'm happy we could kick off the podcast part of it by hearing from the person who started it all. As we close today, I want to thank Nancy Peckenham for being our guest, and I hope all of you out there will check out new episodes of Crowsfeet when they drop. Our writers have a lot to say about life as we age, and you won't want to miss any of it. Today's episode was produced by me, Betsy Allen. Our guest was Crowsfeet podcast executive producer Nancy Peckenham. Editing and sound design is by Rich Halton with support from our Crow's Feet team, Lee Bench, Kathy Dunn-Gilbert, Jean Felderson, Jan Flynn, and Warren Turner. The writers you heard at the beginning of this episode are Ann Litz, Rand Bishop, Lee Bench, Alice Goldblum, Beth Bruno, Brian Futz, Richard Armstrong, Jean Felderson, Brian Barraby, Mary Lou Heater, and Mary McGrath. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Crow's Feet, Life as We Age. Don't miss any of our great stories. Subscribe to Crow's Feet wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and family to give a listen to and leave a rating or review. You can read more Crow's Feet stories online at www.medium.com forward slash crows hyphen feet. And check back next month for a new episode. So until next time, remember to savor every moment. As Andy Rooney said, I didn't get old on purpose, it just happened. If you're lucky, it could happen to you.